Hi ladies, welcome to the Women Who Soar show, where I talk about the power and freedom of being vulnerable and truly authentic. Whether you are looking for guidance, are in need of affirmation, or evaluating your own power and freedom, you are in a safe space here. Let's get raw and real together. Welcome to the show. Hi, ladies. So we're going to talk about, um, I'm actually going to get really, really raw and real and vulnerable and introduce myself through my story today. And um, I did not always have the life of my dreams that I have today, this amazing life where I wake up um, really excited about life and everything that's in it. Um, But for many years, I woke up with a stomach full of fear and a head full of worry. Um, So my life wasn't always what it feels like today. And it's important for me to remember that. And it's important for me to share with women what it was like. and how I got to the point that I'm at today. So I wanna share that with all of you and um, let's see. So many of you know that I I came from a, a home that was filled with love and it was a single family home. My parents divorced when I was five and it was my sister and I um, and my mom. And my mom was a powerhouse. She was always at the hospital. Her identity was nursing. And yeah, she wore the hat, the little hat. And she wore the nursing dress and everything was white. And she worked really, really hard. Um, And she also loved really, really big. And so I grew up in a really loving, loving home with with my mom and my sister. Um, yet I, I remember having nightmares when I was a young girl and I don't know where those nightmares came from, but I was always scared and I was always worried and I was never really content and I was never really happy. Um, my sister was five years older than me. And when she went away to college, I found myself having a lot of free time. Um, And I was really trusted. My mom really trusted me. So I was home a lot by myself. She was at the hospital quite often. So I had uh, the ability to to come and go as I pleased and to do what I wanted and to make my own decisions at the young age of 12, 13 years old. And with a, a stomach full of fear and a head full of worry, um, for whatever reason, I thought the 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 great answer to solving that would be to pick up a drink of alcohol. Um, and I didn't really know that that's what I was doing, but um, like to solve that, but I thought it'd be a lot of fun. And uh, in, in junior high, that, that was fun. Um, what's interesting though, is some people uh, or some kids, you know, they, they, 
experiment and have fun and go out and drink with their friends. Um, I drank while I was babysitting. <laughs> I drank when I was by myself. Um, and that was literally when I was a young girl, 12, 13 years old. Um, I did, I had this babysitting job and through the summers and I'd babysit for these sweet three young girls and I'd find the alcohol in in their kitchen or in their basement and I would end up drunk while I was babysitting by myself. Um, so yes, of course, I also love to drink with friends and at parties and um, but I found myself drinking by myself quite often uh, and at 12, 13, 14 um, into my high school years, um, it was always easy to find. Uh, if, if, if you remember those days and you were a teenager, there was always somebody, somebody's older brother or sister, or the weirdo at the corner store. Um, and so that was never an issue. But when we think about um, experimenting and having fun in your high school years, it's usually not sitting in the bathroom of your high school in behind the, um, behind the, 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 you know, behind the bathroom stall with a bottle of, of uh, hairspray filled with vodka drinking by yourself. And that is a picture of what I was doing throughout high school. <clears throat> and when I was 16 years old, I, I met, uh, I always had the boyfriend and the boyfriends were always uh, very much in, in, in the same <clears throat> dynamic and setup of, of environment that I was. So always doing things that would land them in places like jail and <laughs> um, those decision makers. Um, so I, I had, I met, I met someone at 16 and, oh, he was a real treat for my mom. You know, he, she did not want me to have anything to do, to do with this, this guy. And, um, I, I ended up, uh, on my 16th birthday, I ended up in a house with him and he introduced me to a drug and, you know, I had always done drugs. I was drinking alone in a bathroom stall in, in my high school. So if you were to give me um, pot or acid or whatever it was, I was going to do it because now I was full-blown, full-blown alcoholic in my teenage years. And I was a party queen. I just, um, was always doing something. Um, and know that on the outside, it didn't look like that. I always held a job and I always had really good grades in school. Um, and I did that so I could protect the fact that I wanted to do these other things. Um, and I was really miserable. I was really unhappy. I was still filled with fear. I was still filled with worry. I, 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 I really just wanted people to like me and to be around me. And nobody ever wanted that to, to, to do that because I would always get so out of control. So I found myself quite alone. Um, and so I found myself quite alone and with this guy at 
16 years old, sitting in a house, and he introduced me to a drug, and this was in the 90s, and it was crack, cocaine. And uh, so I, 16 years old, tried that and immediately became addicted. So um, that began a really ugly, ugly journey for me um, to the to the fact that I probably shouldn't be here today. Um, that on the outside again, I would go to school every day and I would go to work. Um, and I'd put a smile on my face and then I would head down with, with, with my boyfriend to the inner city of a really bad town in my area called Youngstown, Ohio. And I'd proceed to, to hang out in this house and do those things with really dark people, with really dark and ugly situations, doing really dark and ugly things. Um, and this went on for quite a while. <clears throat> and throughout those years, um, my, my mom was, was, was at a loss. She was at a loss with what to do with me. And she loved me so much. And she tried everything that you could try to do. Um, but I was, I was, I, there was nothing that could be done with me. So at um, my senior year in, in high school, um, the very few friends that I had, they went to my mom. They actually went to her at the hospital and told her that they were afraid that I was going to die. And uh, my, my mom figured out a way to to, to find a place for me in a rehab and um, came to me one day and said, you know, you're either going to go to rehab or you're going to go to jail. I'm sure that there's something that we can find for you to go to jail. <laughs> and so I went to rehab at 17 years old. <clears throat> and I spent the next 30 days inside a youth drug and alcohol rehab facility. And this was in 1994. Oh, and boy, was I mad. I was really, really mad that I, that I was there. I didn't want this life. I didn't want this to be the way it was. I didn't want to be an alcoholic and a drug addict. I just wanted to be free of worry and fear. I wanted to be free of that. And this is what I thought would solve that for me. I didn't really think of addiction or alcoholism or any of that when I was a kid. I just wanted to be free. I wanted to be happy. And I wanted to be excited. And I wanted these things. And I thought that that was the way I could get it. And when I got out of rehab, my mom had turned into an Al-Anon Nazi. Um, no one in my family had has has really serious alcohol and drug addiction. So she had no idea what to do with me, but she had found Al-Anon while I was in rehab. And um, she had become this Al-Anon Nazi. So there were a ton of rules 
when I got home. I did end up graduating high school. I did end up graduating um, with really with honors. I had a 4.0 um, when I graduated high school, which is just bewildering, right? And so I went, um, started school at Kent and um, really had no coping skills because I picked up a drink so early on. Um, but I managed to stay sober for a little bit, for a minute. <laughs> and um, and then I started drinking again. Um, and this went on like a wave of self-will run riot into my early 20s until I got sober. Um, so I got married at a really young age and I had two baby girls at a really young age and I got divorced at a really young age. So I found myself 25 years old with two little girls and one at my hip and one at my knee. And I, um, knew I had to figure it out. I had to figure it out. So I had gotten sober, um, and with the grace of God, I've been sober ever since, and um, which is amazing. Uh, so I've, I've grown up in a 12-step program ever since my early 20s. I've just grown up in a 12-step program, and it has brought, um, it is, is, I've been on a 12-step journey and a spiritual journey uh, ever since, and uh, which is wonderful. Uh, and I found myself in my early 20s having to figure out what my mom had to figure out, which was how to be self-sufficient as a single parent and, and raise my kids. Um, and I had leaped in, I, so I leapt in, leaped, <laughs> leapt <laughs> into the corporate world. And uh, I had always been an overachiever, right? I was an overachiever in high school, even though all that was going on, I still graduated with a 4.0, right? So I jumped into the corporate world and um, I jumped into to, to banking, into the finance world. Uh, and I had this amazing mentor and this mentor, she had founded a bank in, this, in the 1970s. So here we go again with this powerhouse woman that was willing to take me under her wing and, and just walk, walk with her. Uh, so I found myself in a uh, senior level uh, vice president role by the time I was 27 at the bank. <clears throat> and my role, my role at the bank uh, was to, to, to develop, I had a team, uh, a, a team that I developed top performing sales leaders to go and make a ton of money for the bank. And my clients were, were business owners and, uh, helping these business owners get the capital that they need so they can they can grow their business. And I did that for 17 years. So I was a coach to these to to my team uh and I was a consultant basically to to all of these businesses. So everything you could think of of how to run a business and scale a business um is in my DNA and and everything that you can think of on how to um uh develop a sales team is in my DNA. Uh, but during those, during those years, 
I did not have this amazing dreamy life yet. Um, one of my friends likes to, to say, you can do hard and, and it's just your turn. Um, and I found myself in, in that role for, for several years. Um, when I was maybe six months sober, my, my powerhouse mom, my rock, um, the love of my life, uh, she got very sick and was diagnosed with progressive secondary multiple sclerosis and her identity immediately vanished. She was no longer able to work. She had fallen and she um, was pretty much paralyzed from the waist down. And so she moved in with me and I became her primary caretaker um, for several years until I couldn't take care of her anymore. And for those years, she lived with us and it was, it was a wonderful time, but it was also a very, very difficult time. And the reason why it was so difficult is um, because I loved her so much and I want her to have quality of life. And it was really difficult for her to have quality of life. She did re-identify um, herself and she was extremely faith-filled and she was an amazing grandmother, um, but her, she was, and she was a fighter. She was a, a serious fighter. Um, and so she stayed in my home and I was her primary caregiver for the next eight years until, um, until she really just couldn't move at all anymore. And um had to go into a nursing home where she quickly, uh, quickly um, went downhill and and passed away. And so through those years, I really, I really did hard stuff, and um, and I complained about it all along the way. And if you would listen to me, I would complain about it because I didn't think in my twenties and my thirties I would be raising two kids and taking care of my mom, and in this shit show of a corporate environment for all these years. I just didn't know anything else. And so just like Nike, I did it. But I had a lot of worry and fear along the way. A lot of worry and fear along the way. Um, I also had a ton of support. As I mentioned, I was in 12-step recovery. So I had this foundation of, of people around me that just continued to lift me up and continued to carry me. And so did my mom and so did my kids. And I found joy through those years and I found acceptance that that's the way it was going to be. And I also found a husband. <laughs> um, it wasn't until my daughters were, were in their um, tweens and teens that, that I found a husband, but it was very bittersweet. Uh, it was when my four months after um, I met my husband, my, my mother passed away and we hadn't been married yet. We were just dating. So it was a really bittersweet time when I met my dream guy, because um, I was also going through very heavy grief of losing, losing my mom. And so I continued in this corporate ladder position and it was high pressure and it was high profile and it was everything high next to it and everything stressed next to it. And I didn't know that it was that bad. I thought everybody worked the way that I was working and, and had this type of stress level. 
And that wasn't the case. <laughs> so in, in 2017, I walked into a boardroom and I lost my job and it was the best thing and the scariest thing that could have ever happened to me. I had always been self-sufficient and I was afraid that my security was taken away from me when I lost that job. And so I took a minute, realized really quickly that I had PTSD and I needed to defog from all of that. And so I did. And so for the next three months, I picked up a paintbrush and I painted every single room in my house, every color you could think of. And my girls thought we lived in a rainbow and thought I was crazy. And it's just what I needed to do to turn my brain off. And I went back to school and I looked, I turned on my computer one day and I saw a, um, I saw a certification for empowering women's leadership from Cornell University. And I said, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. It's where my grandfather went to school. That's what I'm going to do. And so I did. And during that time, I was doing some higher education. I was tapped on the shoulder asking if I would become, uh, if I would become a managing partner for a startup. And I had never worked in a startup before. And it was an immediate love affair because it was a mission that I truly aligned with, which was getting funding into businesses' hands and funding that wasn't um, through the traditional banking sector. It was for through the um, circular economy. And so I jumped in with all with both my feet and jumped in and spent the next three years uh, helping to support building this startup, which was amazing. And what I found is that I could take all of that knowledge from, from corporate, from banking, from finance, from developing sales leaders, from working with businesses, I could take all of that and, and, and cultivate and cultivate that into the startup. And it worked really well. Um, but I also found that I was pretty tired. I was really tired. Uh, and so now I'm in my early 40s and I'm looking at my life and I find myself with my sister on a weekend uh, for my birthday. We spend a weekend together and I was talking to her about being tired. And she said, why don't you take everything that you have wrapped around your little pinky and go give it away to women? And when she said that to me, I heard it. I believe in moments of clarity and I've had so many moments of clarity throughout the years. And this was another moment of clarity. And I knew at that moment when, when I was clear that I needed to take action because without action, the moment is just going to pass. And so I did, and I took action. And taking action meant that I was going to exit that startup and that I was going to full-time empower women to live their purpose and create serious economic impact, meaning make a shit ton of money. And I say that and my heart is so full. So as you heard, my story wasn't always, you know, great. 
there is there is some some stuff there and we all have stuff and so when i talk with women and i work with women and i coach women i want to hear their story i want to know their stuff cuz what's so 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 amazing is that your your past and your ordinary and your normal actually is absolutely extraordinary so how did i get to living a life of my dreams i walked my life i stayed present in my life i did the work in my life and through that i was able to live the life of my dreams so today i have a beautiful home and beautiful dogs and beautiful kids you know beautiful kids that have also gone through things I have 20 somethings 20 something girls and i listen to their stories every day and i cheerlead them on and i let them know that they can do hard just like their mom did but that they can also live in their purpose so i will leave you all today with what i would love for you to to remember that your ordinary in your ordinary talents and all of the things that you've gone through are actually extraordinary to others and to lean into that because it is your purpose it truly is your purpose and so today i want you to go soar thank you so much for listening to the women who soar podcast hosted by dora rankin if you'd like to find out more, you can join the Women Who Soar, Women Making Money Facebook group or online at gypsysoulcoaching.com. Thank you again and until the next episode.